So I want to begin today by asking a question. As we continue through this series on the Gospel of Mark, today we're at a pivotal point in this book, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, where there is a question that we need to ask ourselves, and that is this. Am I a friend to the lost? Am I a friend to the sinner? Do I, do you, do we spend time with people who do not know Christ, whose lives may be at times offensive to us, and whose reputation among good people like us might be considered as an embarrassment or even a scandal. Do we love sinners? Do we love and care for the lost? Do we reach out to those who do not know Christ, who are far from Him? And are we willing to say we are their friend? In reality, what we're asking ourselves today, and what I'm asking myself and I'm challenging you to, is are we like Christ? You see, the passage of Scripture that we're going to talk about for a few moments today, this section of Mark, has been called by some in the theological realm, it has been called the scandal of grace. And it has the potential, if we'll listen to this passage today, and we'll listen to it with open hearts, with open minds, hearts, minds, and ears, <laughs> it has the potential today, your pastor needs to go back to an anatomy class, to bring great conviction if we're willing to listen and hear. Now the question why to that is first, many if not most of us, and I, I, I don't want to put a blanket statement out here, but I look at my own life, okay, and the reality of it is, is that many of us do not spend as much time as we could in the world with those who don't know Christ. We oftentimes, and I, even, I look at my life, I oftentimes, the people that I associate the most with, the people that I hang out with, the people that I go out to dinner with, the people that, 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 that I do fun things with, they are people who have a similar or same belief system as I do. 
And it's natural. But if we are going to proclaim Christ to a world that's lost, if we're going to reach those who don't know Christ, we're going to have to go into the world and be among those who do not know Christ. You see, many of us, if we're not careful, and I shouldn't say many, you know, I'm talking about the churches down the street, not us. You're FaceTiming this, aren't you? I'm going to get in a whole lot of trouble this Wednesday. If we're not careful, we can become what I would consider a modern-day Pharisee. If we're not careful, we can become like the Pharisee of Luke chapter 18 and verse 11 who said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like those tax collectors. Very fitting at this time of the year. Instead, we imagine ourselves, I think, at times to be super saints, you know? And God is fortunate to have us, I think we act like sometimes. He said, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of everything I get. You want to read that on your own time, Luke chapter 18. How much better would it be for us if we prayed more like the tax collector in Luke 18, verse 13? God, turn your wrath from me, a sinner. You see, the truth is, we are in desperate need of the mercy of God. Amen? Amen. But by the grace of God, are we capable of doing anything? There is no entitlement in any of us when it comes to the love of God. Thankfully, we are, and I will say it straight up, we are forgiven sinners through the scandalous, amazing grace of our Lord and Savior. And today, that grace should, it ought to, lead us just like Jesus to be a friend and to reach out to those who do not know him yet. The passage of Scripture today, Jesus has gathered his disciples, and we see in this passage of Scripture, go ahead and put it up. We're going to start reading this. It says, Jesus went out again by the sea. Now remember, last week he was cramped up in a building, okay? Last week he was stuck inside of a building and it was so cramped that some, some of the, the guys, in order to get someone to him to, for him to heal, they had to bust a hole in the ceiling. He's gotten out of the building, all right? 
There's a testimony, there's, there's a model there for us that I think we should see in some ways. Even Jesus couldn't hang out in the building too much. He had to get out. And it says, Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Go ahead. Then passing by, he saw Levi. Now that's Matthew, just in case. I know... Levi, Matthew, you know, hi, my name's Steve, uh, I go by Joe, uh, I don't know what, you know, uh, but Levi is Matthew, okay, so then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him, keep going, while he was reclining, I like the way it jumps. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. Keep going. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Go on. When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So let's look at this passage for just a few minutes today, and let's just talk about some different parts of this message. And I think the first thing that we need to talk about for just a moment or two is we need to talk about Jesus' influence in this passage of Scripture. Verse 13 and 14, I'll read it again. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up, and he followed him. Here we see in this passage of Scripture, Jesus invited questionable people to follow him who would intentionally upset the religious group dynamic. I mean, Jesus did not go out and call the religious saints of the day. He didn't go to the seminary. He didn't go to the schools of theology looking for his disciples. This one that he's calling here, Matthew, Levi, do you know what his profession is? What is it? Is a tax collector. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know how popular tax collectors were back then? Yeah. You know what a tax collector was basically back then? It was a thief. Okay? That was basically it. Okay? They took your money, all right? And most of the time, what they would do is they would take whatever the legal system required, but they'd take their own fee on top of that. And they would take a healthy fee on top of that, all right? I don't want you to think about the current system, okay? Here Jesus is. He's gathering the 12 that are going to be a part of 
his revolution, and he begins by calling one of the most unpopular people in society at that time. He invited questionable people to follow him who, lo- who would intentionally upset the religious group dynamic. You see, this is something that I want you to understand for you and I as we study this passage of Scripture. Jesus calls us from a comfortable seat of sin to an unpredictable place at his side. You see, Christian discipleship, being a follower of Jesus Christ, following Jesus on the move rather than merely adhering to a system of belief, that's what you and I are called to. None of us here are qualified. None of us here are the first choice. Dude, I look in the... uh, I know you're not dudes. Some of you are dudes, but dudettes too. Uh, I look in the mirror sometimes. I examine some of my flaws. I examine some of my stupidity. I examine some of my ignorance, my arrogance, and the list goes on. And, and I got to be honest, I have no clue why God would ever want to use me as a pastor. Some of you feel the same way. But you didn't have to laugh about it. Gosh. Listen. Jesus does not call the qualified. Jesus does not call the equipped. Jesus doesn't call the best of the best. Jesus calls those who are obedient and willing to be a part of what he's doing. You see, the first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is the reality that through Christ, all things are possible. Through Christ, anything can be accomplished. He, in the midst, brings His will unconditionally. And so you see, Christian discipleship, it's following Jesus on the move rather than merely adhering to systems or beliefs. In other words, folks, if we're going to be true followers of Jesus Christ, we have to get out beyond these four walls. we got to love the people that most people won't love. we got to care for those that others don't care about. And quite honestly, our reputation may get muddied a little bit at times. Because when we go where the lost are, I can tell you, the righteous... No, let me say this. Not the righteous. uh, 
the religious, the arrogant religious, the elitist, the, there, I got the word, self-righteous. I had to play around with that a little bit. You know, you've got to walk through this a little bit. They're not going to be impressed. They're not going to be impressed. When I pastored up in northwest Indiana, I used to periodically, I used to go to a little restaurant in the town that we lived in. And it was a bar. I'm just going to be blunt. It was a bar. You had to be 21 to get in there. Okay, it was a bar. All right. <gasps> Pastor Steve went to a bar. Yeah, I did. Man, they had this, they had this, this soup. <laughs> they made this clam chowder. It was the best clam chowder I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, it was good stuff, you know. And I'd go in there to get the soup, man. Order myself a Coke. And I'd sit and just eat my soup and talk to whoever talked to me. They didn't know if I had anything else in my Coke or not. I didn't. Sometimes I wish I had. Some of the conversations I had, I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, you know, I talk with these guys. I talk with, I am, it was always guys. I didn't talk to girls. My wife would get mad at me if I talked to girls. And she should. But I talk to these guys, and sometimes, man, they just pour their hearts out, you know. And, and they'd start off, and they'd ask me, what do you do for a living? And I'd say, I'm a public speaker. <laughs> Sometimes I'd say, I'm a motivational speaker. But eventually, we'd get around to the point to where I would tell them I'm a pastor. And they're like, I'm so sorry for what I said. I'm like, don't sweat it, man. What are you doing in here? They got good clam chowder, don't they? You know? But I'm going to tell you what. I, I, don't, I don't know that anyone I ever talked to during those times, I don't know if any of them ever came to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what every single one of them found out through talking with me. Jesus loves them. He loves them unconditionally. And as a pastor and a follower of Jesus, I wasn't too good to hang out with them. You see, it's not popular all the time going out into a lost world as a righteous person. But if we're going to reach the lost for Jesus, if we're going to share what someone shared with us at one time, we have to step out and we have to allow the influence of Christ in us to love those that Christ loves. Amen? Amen? So let's go on, and let's talk next about verse 14 and 15. Now, I know I overlap there, but that's because I'm allowed to, because it's my sermon, not yours. Well, it's God's sermon, but... 
So let me read that again. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and he followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. And so here's what I want to talk about just for a second. First, I talked about the influence of Jesus. Now I want to talk about, I want to talk about Levi. I want to talk about Matthew's response. You see, I've discovered this. The only way you will leave what you treasure is if you find something you treasure more. Did you get that? The only way you will leave something that you find to be of great value is if you find something of greater value to go to instead. When a sinner, and this is what I want you to see in this, when a sinner is changed by Jesus, he should, she should, want to gather others who are lost in order for them to be changed by Jesus also. You see, Matthew dropped everything he was about. Everything that he treasured, everything that he valued, everything that he was a part of what was most important in his life, he dropped it when Jesus said, follow me. And you know why he did that? Because he saw the greater value in Jesus Christ. You see, when we find something of greater value than what we currently value, we will drop it and go for it. The most valuable thing that you and I have ever received in life, period, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, is his salvation. Amen? The fact that he, the Messiah, the son of the living God, you know I'm going to preach the gospel, you know I'm going to talk discipleship, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the living son of God, came, he died on a cross for our sin, he experienced an undeserved excruciating amount of suffering on our behalf went into the grave and three days later walked out victorious. If we are willing to repent, believe, and follow we become his disciples. The most valuable thing that I have ever received is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if it is truly as valuable as we proclaim it to be, 
there should be nothing getting in the way of us sharing it with others. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you were on a ship that was sinking, and there was a lifeboat there, and it was you and your family on that boat, would you get on that boat and leave your family on the sinking ship? Don't look at the person next to you right now. Would you? Would you? Would you get on that ship? Would you get on that boat? Would you leave your children on that sinking ship? I look at some of the ladies in here and they have little babies. This is a baby church, man. We have like tons of little babies right now. With those of you that have those little babies, if that ship was sinking and you had a lifeboat, would you take that little precious baby and set it down on the ship and go crawl in the lifeboat and just leave? Absolutely not. This world that we live in, it is a sinking ship. It is. And every single one of us who proclaim to be followers of Jesus Christ, we have the lifeboat that someday is going to save us from the sinking ship. And we have the opportunity to offer that to every single person we come in contact with. Why would we not do that? Why would we not reach out and love? You know, the thing that's amazing to me in this passage of Scripture is that after Jesus calls Matthew and Matthew says, yeah, I'll follow. Matthew <laughs> calls up all of his tax buddies, all those who are lost. I mean, it, it, we don't even skip a beat here. It's not like, and some months later, no, you know, immediately, Jesus says, follow me, and he got up and followed him. And then he says, while he was reclining, so it sounds to me like Jesus was like, follow me, I'm going to your house. You got food in the fridge? And Matthew's like, we're going to my house, I'm calling my buddies. They got to experience what I have experienced. You see, what we see in this passage, the disciples, they opened their lives and their hearts to minister to the lost near them. Folks, that is a challenge for each one of us today. Finally, let's talk about verse 16 and 17. Let's talk about the Pharisees' reaction. So in verse 16 it says, When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat 
with tax collectors and sinners. Go ahead. And when Jesus heard this, he told them, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. You see, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. By associating with sinners, what happened is Jesus, he, he tainted his reputation. He did. But he never compromised his character. You see, the religious leaders, they were eager to enter the house of preaching, but they were not willing to sit at the table of relationship. And their attempts to insulate themselves from blatant sinners, and this is a challenge for us today, the religious crowd became a worse type of sinner. You see, what I want you to grab a hold of today for a second or two here, and I just want you, and maybe you'll think about this for a fleeting moment, and then you'll leave today, and it will not cross your mind again. But what I hope is I hope what I'm going to say to you in the next two seconds, I hope that it will burn into your mind, and I hope that you will walk with it every second of the day for the rest of your life. If you distance yourself from the lost... You distance yourself from Jesus. You see, Jesus did not expect the sick to become well by themselves. But he also didn't intend on them staying sick. And the hands and the feet and the minds and the mouth that Jesus uses to reach those who don't know him yet are the hands and the feet and the minds and the mouths of those in this room today. in the Christian church next to us, in the Lutheran church over there, in the Cleveland, Tennessee church of God over there. In the Assembly of God church down there, in the First Baptist church way over there. I don't know where any of the other churches are. There's a lot of them. Jesus didn't expect the sick to become well by themselves. But he also didn't intend them to stay, to stay sick. Folks, God not only is calling you and I to follow him, 
but he's calling us to be friends, to be in relationship, to reach out to those who are hurting, to those who are lost, to those who do not know him yet. And if we confine ourselves into a spiritual bubble, if we stay inside our buildings, if we refuse to hang out, to love, and to care for those who are lost, then we are refusing to be followers of Jesus Christ. Because being a follower of Jesus Christ means being like Jesus. And so I'm gonna invite the band up today. We're gonna close in a song. We were supposed to have a baptism today, a couple of them. Uh, some things changed, but we have more scheduled. I mean, if somebody wants to be baptized today, you just let me know. I'll take the lid off this. There's no water in there, but I'll get a bucket and dump it on you. <laughs> I'm serious. But the question that I want to ask you as we close today Who in your life, who do you come in contact with? Who could you potentially come in contact with that you could open your life to them? for the purpose of ministry, for the purpose of loving them like Jesus. It's not comfortable. It's not even convenient at times. But it's what Christ calls us to do. And I'm calling you today, I'm challenging you today to find ways to open your life up to those who do not know Christ. I guarantee you, you could play a little bit behind me. That was cool. Go ahead. Kind of gives effect, you know. You ever watch a movie and it's like all of a sudden the music starts building? Don't play something weird. Jesus wants to use you. And there are people in your life that don't know him that he wants to use you to reach. Just be a vessel. Just be a willing vessel and see what can happen.
Heavenly Father, this morning, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds. Lord, I ask today that you would reveal to us who we can share you with. Lord, I ask that you would show us the relationships that you would like to see us in. Relationships that will bring your love and bring your truth to those who are lost. Lord, if we're truly going to be your disciples, we have to follow your example. We have to be obedient. We have to live and love just like you lived and loved us. We have to be a reflection of you. Lord, today give us the strength and boldness to do that. I pray this in your most precious name. Amen. Amen. Folks, as